Coming up on today's show, more shakeups at Unity. Is Diablo 4 coming to Xbox Game Pass? And PlayStation revealed a new PS5. Spoilers, it's just a little skinnier. Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am one of your hosts, Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher, who's pretending to be frozen. I was going to say, did you think frozen. I was frozen? Because there's a slight hesitation. I did for a second. Yeah, yeah. No, I was I was reading something. Hello, I'm here. Hi. Hello. And Mrs. Rihanna Manuel Pena is here as well. I'm back. Yay. <laughs> yeah. We love that. We love that you're back. How are you feeling, baby? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I got a flu shot and some blood taken away again today, but I'm here surviving. <laughs> Drink a lot of water. How much blood they take from you when you're pregnant? It's a lot. <laughs> like, I didn't, nobody told me about this part. She's <laughs> taking a vial of another vial. They probably hoard it somewhere. <laughs> oh, They're like, creepy. you're making lots of blood every hour on the hour. We'll just take a little bit. You won't even notice. It's like, I'm just going to scoot in right here and take a couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, I guess. Sure. Just one of the many things the vampire within you is going to take from you. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're glad that you are here. We have some fun and some interesting and some controversial news um, to talk about this week. And then we're going to talk about what we've been playing a little bit later on. If you guys missed last week's episode, we want to just remind you about our big hiatus news that we announced that we are going to be taking a little break from What's Good Games starting in November through January of next year because our girl Rihanna is going to be nursing a new human being. Ah! <laughs> Surprise. Great. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm going to pause our hiatus news since we're talking about you being pregnant to talk about how ridiculous your maternity photo shoot oh, was that you posted oh on Instagram God. and on Twitter. Thank you. Just ridiculous. Holy like, shit. The glam. Oh my gosh. Like, it was uh, an experience. And Danny insisted. Like, I, I was on the fence because it's very high production value <laughs> compared to what I was expecting. But he's like, it's our first kid. We're older. Like, how much longer are we going to be hot? Let's just do it. So I was like, okay. I mean, those glamour shots turned out excellent. <laughs> you are probably the most photogenic person I know in my life. Aww. Like, it is just unreal how gorgeous and goddess like you look. Like, I literally squealed out loud when I saw them. So, <laughs> Shout out to you. See, I didn't get maternity pics because I, I was like, I just felt like shit and I felt like garbage. And I know both of you probably didn't feel or do feel hot either. And I have regrets because, Andrea, you look fucking stunning in your pictures. Rhea, you look like a goddess in your pictures. And I'm like, I should have just done it. I should have done it and I didn't. So I'm glad you did. Well, you, you can take them now up. and just like put a fake bump on. Should I? Just like, like a pillow? Have AI like enhance it and just be like me, but pregnant. Okay. I, bet I you, can get my, I bet like, you my, there's filters for that. My dark pigment spots back, my bloat, my extra like 30 pounds. Let's no, go. No, 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 no. Uh, listen, none of that. Get the full like glam glow filter happening. Like that big popular filter that everyone was using on TikTok and Instagram where it made you look like a completely different person. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I can see that. Here. And then just like be like, yeah, this is what I look like when I was pregnant. Power Doesn't of AI. Everybody right? look like this. Yeah. Duh. Duh. Absolutely perfect. Oh my God. No swollen ankles. Fake it till you make it is what they say, right? <laughs> do it. Uh, but anyway, we are going to be going on hiatus. Before we do that, though, we are going to be doing a fun live stream on Thursday, October 26th. So mark your calendars. It will be in the daytime. We're still finalizing the timing because we're going to be getting, I think, some fun special guests on the show. So stay tuned on the timing announcement, but Thursday the 26th is the date. And thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Drew Scott, Sun, Ferris, Adia, Justin Foshi, and Punk Defied. And I would normally say, if you want to join our Patreon community, you would go to patreon.com slash games, but don't sign up now because we're <laughs> going to be putting everything on pause. So... Thank you to everybody who has been supporting us, though. We love you guys. And we got some more great five-star reviews. We did. Brad Fierce and KGB employee. At first, I was like, KGB employee? Does that mean something, Ree? And I don't know it. KGB, KGB is the Russian mafia, no? It's like the secret police the or secret something? secret police. Right? Oh, well. Should, should oh, all we right. still give this person a shout-out or should we not? <laughs> Think they wrote safe? a very nice review. They did. Okay. And maybe KGB doesn't mean that for them. Maybe their name is like Catherine Greta Brittany. Bartholomew. Oh, okay. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Brombacher. You know. Wow. It's, it's Are you my long lost relative? Anyway, yes. Thank you for the very kind reviews. Yeah, that make us all feel warm and fuzzy and shit. Love you. Thanks. And this show is brought to you by ExpressVPN, but we'll tell you more about that later because now it's time to talk about the no longer thick boy PS5, the now skinny mini PS5 slash not really. It's still kind of chonky, but less chonky. (laughs) (laughs) So when this tweet went out and then I looked at the blog post, I was like, I had to like double take these photos because I was like, wait a minute, this... Looks the same. It just looks like they added a weird external drive on the outside of the slim, which is technically what they did. So for everybody who hasn't seen the photos, highly recommend you <laughs> check them out. But maybe not because don't expect some kind of crazy price drop. In fact, I believe the, just the digital edition is more expensive it is. Uh, than it was, which is sort of a head scratcher. But I guess PlayStations are just selling so well. Sony's like, yeah, let's actually do a price increase at this point in the generation. Now, wasn't there a price increase outside of the U.S. not that long ago? I feel like there was. I believe so. Let me double check. Guess it what, was like baby? a year ago, what right? What goes around comes around. It's coming back to us here in the old state of Roonies. Well, you get another 125 gigs of RAM. That's true. That is true. Well, RAM. Or not RAM, sorry. Gigs. Storage. Yeah. Storage. Storage. That is true. Yeah. So. Okay, that's, I guess that's worth it uh, question mark question mark so yeah going back to the size it has been reduced in volume by more than 30 percent in weight by 18 percent and 24 percent compared to the previous models so yeah it is smaller i, I it's just it looks odd it, it's just i don't know what the, this little like bump this little like thing sticking out of it you know what i mean on the side my first thought was that it looked like a kardashian photoshop edit of an <laughs> original piece. oh god <laughs> It does. He's like, oh, let me tuck in a little here and bump it on a little here. And now we're brand new. That was good, Ree. It was oh my so gosh. good. I saw that Stein also tweeted it as the BBL edition. Yeah. I was like, that was pretty good, too. Yeah, you know, and it's it's so funny because when you lay it on the side, right, you have, like, the disc. We're talking about the one with the disc drive. It supports it on that. And there's this, like, little tiny little plastic, like, thing using all of its might in the world to hold up this big fat ass. It's just, it's whatever. It's a thing. It's 
It's a thing. <laughs> so there was a quote in the PlayStation blog from Sid Schumann, who is the senior director of content communications over at Sony, who has been working with Sony for a long time. And Sid said, our engineering and design teams collaborate on a new form factor that provides greater choice and flexibility, which I think is mm. a lot of fluff, Sid. Mm. Come on, you can do better than that. The same technology features that make PS5 the best place to play are packed into a smaller form factor, along with an attachable Ultra HD Blu-ray <laughs> disk drive and a one terabyte SSD for more internal storage. So that's great, right? More yeah. internal storage always needed because these games are getting bigger and bigger. And I think what Baldur's Gate 3 install on PS5 is like 135 gigs yeah, or something Yeah, it's a big fatty fat fat. So that's like, you know, over 10% of your drive just right there. <laughs> um, but to me, this is just a little bit of a head scratcher that they didn't come up with a more substantial change to the form factor before rolling this out. Because to me, I hear 18% decrease in size and I'm like... That doesn't seem like a material enough change. And who really cares about the weights? Because very few people are actually picking up their PlayStation 5 and moving it around. So it's like once it's on your you know, media shelf or in your on your computer desk or wherever you have your console, you're just not like you're picking it up and moving it all the time. And obviously there are use cases for doing that, but it's not, I think, the average experience. I think it's just sprinkles on a cupcake. Completely useless, but it makes it look nice. You know what I mean? Oh. I do love sprinkles. I do. I like the crunch of it, but it like, tastes like nothing. But it makes it look pretty and looks nice. You know What I do think is cool is that you can buy the slim digital version, and then you can add the disc version later if you decide that's not what you want. I mean, I think it's awesome that they're making that available. But yeah, I mean, hey, it's a thing. Listen, PlayStation wants to go all digital. Sony wants to go all digital because they make more money that way on their storefront. That's the future they want to start pushing. And what better way to do that than push out an all digital version right before the holidays and make this your kind of standard edition going forward and then making... You know, covering your ass with the uh, available attachment. So and the other thing worth noting, too, is that a horizontal stand is included with the new PS5 model. But if you want the vertical stand with all of the models, you have to buy that separately at $29.99. So there you go. To your point about the ability to add on the drive later, I do like that. Like, like that's mm -hmm. fun. And it's... A different approach, right? And I'm always for choice when it comes to like making sure the consumer can get exactly the experience that they're looking for. So I really do appreciate that. Just sucks that it's buried in this a little bit less exciting <laughs> reveal because that yeah. is really innovative and, and new and fresh and a, a really great idea. But it does also suck that you can't use the plates if you got custom plates already. So it, there's there's definitely oh, yeah, good and good bad point. to this one for sure. Yeah, I just it's going to be interesting seeing how this new all digital version goes, knowing that head to head with the Xbox Series S, the one terabyte you know carbon version, not the 500 megabytes, is a hundred dollars more expensive. So like the PS5 digital edition, $449.99 USD in the United States, and the Xbox Series S one terabyte carbon black version, $349.99. So I mean, to me, those consoles, as far as like raw power, are pretty apples to apples as far as machines. And we keep talking about this incredible value that Xbox has been pushing with Game Pass. And so it's like, I think side by side, it's going to be tough for gamers who aren't necessarily in one camp or another when it comes to first party only saying, why would I pay $100 more for a console that does the exact same thing? Giant air quotes here, everybody. Don't come at me like <laughs> Sony ponies. 
you know, the same thing that that one does. And I'm just like, I don't know if I was like, like if I was like the GameStop employee at the counter, you know, in November when mom or dad comes in to buy little Timmy a new console and they're like, I don't know, or should I get him the Xbox or should I get him the PlayStation? It's like, well, I don't know. How old is little Timmy? What kind of games does little Timmy play? Does little Timmy play online? Are you currently an Xbox Game Pass subscriber? Are you interested in Game Pass? Because the PlayStation Plus premium subscriptions are definitely wildly more expensive than what Xbox is offering with Game Pass. So it's like, I don't know. It's mm -hmm. hard to say unless you are 100% in the Sony IP family. Like, I'm a diehard God of War, Horizon, you know, Death Stranding, Insomnia Games fan, that the Series S isn't a better value offer. The problem with the S, and again, I think this again just comes down to what kind of, what kind of gamer are you, is, you know, <laughs> we are seeing the issues that Baldur's Gate had with the S. We're seeing even Remedy talk about Alan Wake 2 and some of the changes that, you know, they've been struggling with with bringing that to the S. So, yeah, I mean, it depends on, like, what you want in your life. But, God, if you just want a Game Pass subscription and something easy-peasy and cheaper, like, I feel like, yeah, the S is the one way to go. But, again, Sony Ponies don't come at us. I love my PlayStation. It's very beautiful. It's very sexy. It does all of the things, but, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does all the things. Listen, if Sony sent What's Good Games, the all-digital <laughs> new PS5, the skinny girl. With the BBL attachment. I mean, <laughs> I'd download some stuff on her. Oh, I would fiddle Ooh. her sticks if you know what I'm saying. No problem there. You don't have oh, to yeah, me I'd on that. swipe on that touchpad. <laughs> Feel that haptic feedback and you know respond <laughs> accordingly. Uh -huh. Oh man. Ooh. Um, but yeah. Okay, we're done making weird innuendos about haptic Dang. feedback. Anyway, let us know what you guys think about it in the comments below. Next story, speaking of Xbox Game Pass, hey. <laughs> Activision Blizzard has shared Xbox Game Pass plans. And leaves the door open for Diablo 4 potentially to come to Game Pass in 2024. So this is an interesting story. And the reason I think it's interesting is because we see Xbox's commitment to their big first-party titles. I think the obvious one, obviously, is Starfield and how that came day and date to Game Pass. And it's like, well, now that the Activision Blizzard deal is done, essentially, they're almost done with this last CMA hurdle in the UK, but by 2024, I imagine it's all going to be wrapped up with a bow. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, yes, Diablo's got to be on Game Pass, right? Why are they being cagey about it? I don't know. I, I feel like this is kind of one of those, like, of course. Of course it would come to Game Pass. They must just be cagey because it's technically the deal's not done yet. That's the only logical mm. reason I can come up with. Yeah, I guess that's probably the only reason. I, mean, I don't know. You're, you're very smart and you do all the marketing bullshit. What, what would you... <laughs> What's your spin on it? Yeah, my guess is it's, you know, they don't want to make too many comments with, you know, scrutiny still still being still being a factor for their negotiating and the business side. So it seems like an obvious, of course it will, like you said, on Andrea, it's like it, it's a continuing game, game as a service, like Game Pass is wonderful for those games. It's another way for the devs to keep bringing in investment dollars and improving on it over time outside of just their in-game currency. So yeah, it's sort of a no-brainer, but they probably just don't want any more speculation with all this last hurdle, as you said, with the, the governing boards. Yeah, it is interesting, too, that this article points out that it was addressed back in June in its big FTC trial during which Xbox Vice President Sarah Bond pointed out that a current agreement keeps in place keeps Call of Duty from hitting Game Pass before January 2025. Deals were signed and things were done before all of this shit hit the fan, but 
maybe that's also part of it. I don't know. Businesses and the way they do shit's sometimes very frustrating. Like, I, let's just, you know, tell it to me straight. Let's be sharpshooters in all this. No yeah. beating around the bush. You know what I mean? Just dive right into that bush. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe just don't say anything until you can. Leave the bush know. alone. Also, I love that refroze on YouTube, and she has the best face. The best face. <laughs> I'm frozen again. No. That's a, thumb, that's a thumbnail face right there if I ever saw one. Let's look at that face full screen. Screenshot <laughs> that. Perfect face. Screenshot that for me, baby. I still Hold on. on. Let me screen. Oh, no. Let me screenshot Wait, this. No. Hold on. Did, now, first. okay. I gotta know. Did you make that face when I said dive right into the bush? I did. Okay, it's perfect. <laughs> Hold on. Let me see if I can reload my camera. <laughs> oh my goodness! I love it. Oh lord. So for people who oh, are not familiar it. with our YouTube channel and you only ever listen to the show on audio, we have to make thumbnails with our faces on them because that's what the YouTube algorithm likes. And every week we try to think, okay, what are we going to title this episode? What kind of emotion or response do we have? And sometimes we just use generic mm-hmm. faces because there's just not one direction the episode goes. But sometimes... It goes in a very specific direction, and I feel like this face yeah. means we have to tailor the episode around this. Around mm-hmm. that face. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, after maybe we can talk about all these stories and where you can tell us which one is the mo- We're going to call that the bush face going forward. <laughs> the bush face. I love that for us. Oh, man. Before we keep going on with the news, I want to take a quick break to let you know that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by this wonderful sponsor. This episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by ExpressVPN. You ever get the feeling that somebody's watching you? Like, even when you know that there's no one else in the room? Now, I know you're probably thinking, Andrea, I know it's Halloween season, but come on, you're just being paranoid. But what I'm about to say is actually very real. Every single day, there's actually someone watching your every move. The worst part is you're even paying them to spy on you. That someone is your internet service provider. You know the company you pay for your internet? Yeah, we've all got one. Sometimes we like them and sometimes we don't. Every website you visited late at night, no matter how much time you've spent on each one, well, they're keeping tabs on you. And that's why I use ExpressVPN. Now, if you use the internet, which you do, otherwise how would you be listening or watching this show right now, then ExpressVPN is an app for you. Here in the U.S., internet service providers are legally allowed to sell all of their users' browsing activity to advertisers. And it's not just them, your network admin, whether that's at your school, your office, your parents' place, whatever, can see everything you click on. Do you want to explain your search history to someone? Yeah, I didn't think so. With ExpressVPN, 100% of your traffic is rerouted through their encrypted servers so no one can see a thing. And my favorite part about ExpressVPN, it's literally so simple to use. You just open up the app, tap the big button, and that's it. Seriously, it's that easy. And ExpressVPN works on all of your devices, whether you browse the internet on your phone, tablet, or computer. You can use up to five devices at the same time under one ExpressVPN subscription. Sweet! So stop letting people invade your privacy. Right now, get three months extra of ExpressVPN for free when you go to expressvpn.com slash what's good games. That's expressvpn.com slash what's good games. Expressvpn.com slash what's good games to learn more. Our next news story is still about Xbox, everybody. But it's really less about Xbox and more about Arcane, mm-hmm. a studio owned by Xbox. 
You all might have seen that Redfall got an update. It did. And I thought, you know, we could talk about it because we talked about it back when it released. And, uh, you know, it's, it's it didn't do so hot. So it's a 56 on Metacritic and a, the user score is currently 3.5. So anyway, this comes from Game Informer. So developer Arcane Studios multiplayer vampire shooter Redfall launched earlier this year, as we just said. And ahead of its launch in May, Xbox revealed that Redfall would only launch with 30 FPS quality mode on Xbox Series X and S, noting that a performance mode would arrive at a later unspecified date. And nearly six months later, friends, that date has arrived. This mode is now live in Redfall, and this update also brings some other features as well, including stealth takedowns, more accessibility options, multiplayer communication improvements, and more. Actually, the patch list is very, very extensive. I started scrolling through it, and I was like, this is going to take me years to read, so I did not. And, you know, listen, we just, and sadly, don't have the time to replay these games, but one Forbes Paul Tassi revisited Redfall after the patch and he had this to say about it. This is just a few paragraphs from his write-up. This is the tail end of it and I like the way he summarized it, but if you want the full nitty-gritty details, check out the entire article. So Paul said, there's a lot of talk about how this is the start of Redfall cyberpunk redemption story. It finally did this update and is supposed to release two new characters, which people have already paid for, and other missions. It's just hard to see that happening. Cyberpunk's main issues were technical or missing features. Night City was great. Its characters and voice acting were great. Its storylines ranged from good to great. So the fixes there were unearthing a fundamentally great game, which we've now seen with Phantom Liberty and Update 2.0. He continues, Redfall is just not a very good game. I'm not saying that to be malicious, but it's not. I do not think there is a way to redeem it. This update fixes some technical things and alters gameplay. the gameplay feel a bit, but the core of the game is the same and it's bad. I respect Arcane for continuing to work on it and deliver promised updates, but at this point, I would forgive them if they just issued DLC refunds and walked away. I'm sure they've learned a lot and their next project will be much better. The update improves Redfall in some small ways, not in big ones. The game isn't fixed or much better than it was. Sorry to report that, but it's just the way it is. Tassie telling it like it is. Sounds yeah. like a tough but fair assessment. And that's what I liked about it. I think, you know, it's really interesting because we've, we've seen Cyberpunk and how that game has really come around. And, you know, we don't need to beat that dead horse. But I just saw an article in IGN that they spent roughly $125 million turning it around post-launch. Ooh. So there was, <laughs> yeah, a lot. Wait, that- wait, wait. That was yeah. the post-launch budget? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the expansion cost $62 million to develop and then $20 million to market. And then Update 2.0 cost about $40 million. And uh, yeah, so you add all that up and you got about roughly 125, if my math is correct. But yeah, so I mean, like there was a lot that went into that. So I don't know who is calling this a, a cyberpunk My jaw is literally like, oh. I'm like, my mouth is just agape. Yeah. Because hey that is an incredible amount of money to spend post-launch on a game like Redfall. And I don't know who at Xbox or Microsoft Gaming was the one that was like, yes, I authorized spending $100 million or more to try to save this game. Like, no, baby. No, 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 no. That was for Cyberpunk. Oh. I, that's why I was so confused. Yeah. <laughs> Girl, no, 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 no. Girl, but, I was so confused. I thought you said, I thought you said I that much you spent on Redfall. And I was like, what in the holy hell? Somebody's no. getting like 
Yeah, someone's getting like really fired Ooh, for that. I, I hope uh, I didn't mess that up. But if I did, apologies. Did not mean to stop some hearts. No, because what I was no getting good at- news. You you clarified, and I'm, now my heart is in a okay. better place. I'm not surprised at all that CD Projekt Red spent that. No, because if you look at the trajectory of what happened with The Witcher Three when that game launched, it was also rough around the edges, to put mm-hmm. it mildly. And that game got increasingly better and better and better. And then they made these two massive expansion, and is now regarded as one of the best RPG of all time, right? Why people put a lot of their faith in CDPR for Cyberpunk. So I'm not surprised at all that right. CDPR invested that money. Also, that game sold 13 million copies at launch, as busted as it was. So they're yeah. fine. They, and, they have the money to spend. And that was the point I was saying is, I don't know who is saying that Redfall could be the Cyberpunk 2.0 redemption story. My point was, is like a lot of money, time, and effort went into turning Cyberpunk around. And like Andrea said, like it sold very, very well despite all of that. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is a fair review of Paul that Paul left. And it makes me sad because, I mean, I just still don't think Redfall is an awful game. I actually had a lot of fun with it until the issues just became a little too glaring, um, mm-hmm. which is a bummer. But, you know, again, like props to Arcane for at least fixing it coming through. I just don't know if the game is fixable either at this point. I think it takes a lot more than some technical polish to to make it better. But. I mean, do you think there's a possibility it's more of a No Man's Sky where they add some depth and some additional gameplay to it? Not a chance. Not a chance. Yeah, to to try to... Xbox is cutting and cauterizing that. It it needs to, yeah. It needs to just be better off starting over, doing something completely different than trying to take this and fix it because that's a whole other plethora of issues. But anyway... Take all that budget and put it into Dishonored 3. We we saw that in the (laughs) Xbox leak that apparently that's in development, which is exciting. Because do it. That's do great. It. Like they're just funnel all the money there. Even though I know that they're different studios, are technically different teams under the same yeah. studio. But <sighs> anywho, uh, speaking of bad news, yeah, we end on more, something positive, though. I promise. <laughs> more bad news. Uh, we're just gonna make this one brief. According to Game Rant, the latest update for X Defiant is bad news for fans. So Rihanna and I tested this game in early development, and both were excited about its promise. It looked to be arena shooter that could potentially challenge, you know, the top arena shooter right now, which is Call of Duty, and maybe do something interesting and different within the Ubisoft universe IP, because that's what, you know, it was originally Tom Clancy's X Defiant, and then they opened it up to be a Ubisoft IP overall shooter, and we had fun playing it. Team-based, you know, lots of tactical squad decisions you can make, this, like, faction system... But things have been kind of like chugging along, to put it mildly. So, according to Ubisoft, there is an indefinite delay (laughs) to X Defiant due to issues discovered during its latest round of testing. So, without reading the entire article, whenever you hear indefinite delay, it's like, oh no, is this a skull and bone situation? (laughs) I certainly hope not. I really did enjoy it, as you said. And I love the idea of having all of these different Ubisoft properties like enter in one game. I love a cinematic universe. <laughs> and, and and it's fun to see that enter into games, and especially in, like you said, an arena shooter that was really competent when we tried it as an early build, right? But my only hope is that all of the the things that they need to tweak that they're finding now with such a wide test audience 
does keep the ball rolling because there is still excitement for it, right? People are still excited to see this game. It felt really good. It didn't feel like it was trying to be Call of Duty, but it does feel like it scratches that same itch. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. The matchmaking was actually pretty competent the last time we played. So that's really encouraging because as we know, matchmaking can absolutely break a game of this type. The different, uh, I don't remember if it was factions or operators or whatever they call the the characters you could pick from our Ubisoft hits were really exciting. The speculation of seeing like, oh, are they going to bring assassins to the game is really exciting. So there's lots of moments for this to really pop if they can get it right. And an indefinite delay is not <laughs> does not inspire the most confidence, but at least they didn't say it's it's being put on on ice or anything like that. Like I, I truly do hope this team pulls through because I want to see this come out and I really do want to play it. I feel like I've heard nothing but positive things for the most part about this. And so what I think is kind of encouraging, if you want to be optimistic about it, is to indefinitely delay it. They're not, like you said, re-putting it on ice. It sounds like they're finding some issues, making some balances. Because like I said, it seems like people are enjoying this and there's a lot of potential here. So hopefully, you know, they take the time they need to figure out all the bugs and the issues. I thought this was a kind of interesting internal anecdote. So one example given for one of the issues was that some testers had felt the movement and sliding felt off, even though nothing had changed. After digging a bit deeper, developers discovered frame spikes interrupting the sliding mechanic, something the team would likely have never found out if it wasn't for fan feedback. See, shit just breaks, man. Shit yeah. just breaks for no reason sometimes. But that's why you test stuff. Exactly. Right? Like, I think that's exactly why alphas and closed and open betas, even early access for multiplayer is so incredibly important now, especially if you're going to launch on PC because trying to develop for PC is harder than ever because so many different types of rigs exist and trying to optimize for that is challenging to say the least. Mm-hmm. So, so good. Game well, fingers hard, crossed man. it doesn't disappear for too long. Yeah. Definitely want to play. Yeah. Eventually when Rihanna can play video games again. Yeah. <laughs> I'll read this next one so you can just be happy. Let's end okay, on a happy thought. Well, we have one in case you missed it. Okay. <clears throat> Lego shares first look at Animal Crossing sets via, and this comes from IGN, Lego has shared a first look at its upcoming Animal Crossing collaboration with Nintendo. Revealed in a tweet from Lego last week, a short trailer showed off the previously rumored five sets alongside confirmation the launch in March 2024. An update to the Lego website also confirmed details surrounding each set, including its name, price, and contents. A handful of Animal Crossing's most popular characters were revealed as part of the stars of each set, which includes Tom Nook, Cap'n, Rosie, Isabel, Bunny, and Julian. They feature in the different sets, which overall recreate some of the houses, items, and events featured in Animal Crossing New Horizons. And then they go on to list how many pieces and how much everything costs. I do think it makes sense that Nook's Cranny is one of the most expensive ones with 535 Mm -hmm. pieces for $75. Once again. you start buying Legos, the price of the sets you kind of get numb to. <laughs> you don't even care. <laughs> it's it's wild just how expensive they get and you don't really even bat an eye. I think now that I've started buying Lego, I'm like, oh, $75 seems reasonable. When in reality, it's like, no, that's a very expensive collectible mm-hmm. for something that, you know, is going to bring you joy when you put it together. And then ultimately it's going to you know, sit on a shelf and then that's that's it. That's what it's going to do. Yeah. But as, you know, a big Animal Crossing fan, I was interested in this, but I don't I don't know if I can 
<laughs> oh no, if I can justify buying these. They're so. pretty freaking cute though. They I was looking so at them and it's like I don't they even know are. what's going on in half of them. But it's just like they're just so charming. And I Let love Let me see if I can pull I was seeing if I can pull them up. Yeah, it's kind of hard. what I was just doing is I went to the main Lego website and towards the bottom you can see all the sets and click on them and scroll through them. But I got the little boopy trailer. Hold on. Okay. Get, show us the boopy trailer. <laughs> the boopy Wait, do trailer. Do they have that one that one cat character that everybody was going wild for with the glasses? He was Raymond? All yeah. Yeah, he's on my island. I love him. I don't think um, they have the set. I didn't see him, no. Uh this, oh, this is so cute. freaking cute. <laughs> Who am I kidding? I'm going to buy all of these sets. <laughs> I mean, you should. They come in March. I mean, you know, I don't know. I know, but on. the problem is my child is in a Duplo phase. This is oh. all just one giant choking hazard. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I wonder if they have plans to make like a complimentary Duplo. Because if they're going to make like, a Duplo version too, I'm all about that. Because we play Legos all the time in my house, but it's all the Duplo and obviously that's Lego brand. Yeah. It's just yeah. just means that the bricks and stuff are big enough not to be choking hazards. And there's not these tiny little pieces that, you know, can disappear into crevices of couches and then I can never actually complete never actually the set. Fine. So I don't know, because <laughs> this is probably, let's be real, for the adults, right? This is oh, for absolutely. us. I mean of course this it is. is for us. They're not gonna fucking cater to the kids. They're gonna be like, listen, adults, we know what you want. You want your but Legos. That's the thing that Lego is so good at is that they're not catering to the kids a hundred percent with Duplo. They're absolutely catering to adults too, because you know who's going to be playing with that kid? Us, the adults. Even when your kid's a little bit older and does independent play and likes playing by themselves, they love it when you play with them. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of this kid stuff is not actually geared towards kids. It's geared towards the parent who's going to buy it and end up playing it. Like I think about the tea set that Charlie has and it's a fine tea set. But like, I want to buy like a really cute, pretty, intricate tea set because you know who's going to be playing tea and who has been playing tea? Me. <laughs> and I want to play with something pretty and nice. Is it the Love Every tea set? I don't have that one, no. Oh, I, I have, have one. one that's clearly like from Amazon yeah. and is like a no-name one. And literally it says like all these weird symbols and stuff on all the things. And I was like, this is very much like a... Yeah. It's not very exciting. It's not a very exciting no. tea set. You're right. I feel like I want to be inspired. Listen, we have to get our pleasures out where we can. And if that means dining on a nice ass tea set with our toddler, then so be it. Damn it. Listen, yeah. I'm going to be playing tea for the foreseeable future. So. Mommy's tea will be something a little alcoholic though, I think. Who could say? Yeah, you know, <laughs> pretend or real. We'll just, rose tea. You know. rose, rose tea. That's what it is. Rose tea. Oh my god, you're gonna be the best mom ever. <laughs> oh <laughs> my goodness. Okay, well I'm buying all the Lego sets. Okay, but let's wrap up the news, shall we? With a little bit of a a little hmm. Not surprised <laughs> at all about this news. Yeah. Effective immediately, John Riccatello, the CEO at Unity, is out. He is. <laughs> Will retire is the air quotes, but let's be honest. I think he was probably asked to step aside in light of all of the Ugh. things that have been going wrong. And it's interesting because like, I've seen a lot of discourse around this. Overall, the consensus from a lot of the indie development community seems to be this is a step in the right direction, but not enough yep. uh, mm -hmm. for Unity to kind of walk back and bring people back into the fold. I think the thing that the more business savvy people I follow are talking about that is worth bringing up is that Unity went IPO, meaning it's right. now a publicly traded company. 
And it is now beholden to its stock price and its shareholders like every other major gaming publisher that's IPO is. And that is forever going to drive the business decisions at Unity. Do you want to call, you know, John a scapegoat or a fall guy for this? Sure, you can. But do you think things are going to automatically change because he's gone? No. They're just going to find someone else to put him in there. He has a board he now is responsible to answer to. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah, it's a thing. And I mean, like, granted... He does make a good little scapegoat because of all the things he has said in the past and some of the remarks Mm. he has made. So I think, you know, if you're just kind of looking at this on a surface level, of course, like, you know, the bad guy, the bad guy, you know, but yeah, it's it's personally like what I would love to be a fly on the wall for is when obviously we saw a lot of um, publicly outspoken, publicly spoken developers being very upset about the changes, rightfully so. They were kind of icky and gross, especially as you dived in. But it was when the Unity executive said that or whoever it was, said that Microsoft and platform holders for installations that were regarding subscription fees, they were going to be the ones responsible for paying those fees. That's Those are the calls I wanted to be on. Like, that's the shit I wanted to hear. I can just imagine, like, you know, what did those calls look like? So, oh, hey, so all these games we have on Game Pass that use Unity, I hear we're not going to be responsible for all of these fees. Anyway, TLDR, they have not, to my knowledge, announced any new policies because according to some articles I read, they are running them by partners to make sure that a fiasco like this doesn't happen again. Sounds like something they maybe should have done in the first place. (laughs) Well, it sounds like they did, but the pool of people they ran it by was egregiously small and was only a specific kind of developer and they didn't bring it wide enough, which they've obviously learned. But yeah, I know it's, it's, (laughs) I kind of have to like chuckle a little bit when people are sitting back going, oh, yeah, you know, Ricky Tello's got his, like, golden parachute or whatever. And I was like, you know, people can say he's, like, taking the fall and that, you know, he's, you know, being the scapegoat or whatever. And I'm like, he probably doesn't care. He was at (laughs) Unity for a decade, right? Like, I think people forget how long he was there. He Mm. took that company from private to IPO, made a bunch of people of that company insanely rich and granted you know their stock price has been you know not doing great over the last couple of years but they're all still way richer than they were and he is walking away with tons of shares of unity still so he obviously doesn't want the company to go bad or to go you know in a south direction either and so i think it was very much like this was I, i highly doubt this was them unilaterally pushing him out and more was, it was like a joint decision of him to be like, yeah, if you guys want me to step aside, I will, because it means the vast majority of the shares that he still owns in the company are going to hopefully bounce back and be worth more. I did appreciate Jason Schreier's reporting over at Bloomberg on people, <laughs> correcting people who were like, oh, he took out, he got millions of dollars and he walked away. And he was like, actually, <laughs> he only took out about 1.5% of his total shareholdings in the company. So he took out a very small amount of money compared to how much he has still invested into the company. And I think it will be really interesting to see if Unity can bring their price back up and what direction they are going to go and if they're going to be able to get back to where they were when they went IPO. Because they've, you know, they've fallen quite far in the last two years. And not only that, like with, you know, the big bad departing, it does help with the the more casual public sentiment, right? Of course, we're super in the weeds. We watch the we watch the news ticker go across the screen. Mm-hmm. But for folks who just know, hey, Unity did bad thing and now a person is gone, that may be enough to help start to repair that trust. But 
you know, time will tell. It really just comes down to how the policies affect devs and if they choose to keep coming back. Man. Props to game developers, man. I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't. I, just in general, I've been listening to both of Jason Schreier's audiobooks and Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. And God, what's the second one that I'm, I'm currently listening to? I'm completely blanking. And it has been so eye-opening. And it is such a fascinating listen slash read if you want to kind of get some behind-the-scenes information on how games are made and all the cajillions of things that can go wrong. Some really candid interviews and some really fascinating stories in there. Uh, Press Reset. That's what it's called. Ruin hmm. and recovery in the video game industry. Very, very interesting things. And man, props again, to game developers. I have a hard enough time just waking up and taking a shit in the morning. You know what I mean? Let alone trying to code a game and make video games come together. Can't imagine. Imagine if you had to take a shit and try to code a game in the same day. Oh, yeah. And try to like run a company and pay off. I can't. That's why I And maybe don't. also raise a human at the same time. Yeah. It's just too much. Worry about moving and families and whether or not the investors up top are going to cut you or lay you off. I can't. That's why I just enjoy the products. And I talk about them on the stupid show of ours that I love so much. That's it. Hats off to you, game developers. Yep. We love you. Keep Doing making games and fighting the good fight. Yeah. Let me bang Speaking people. of games, let's talk about some games. We'll be right back. Everybody, it's the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast where we talk about what we've been playing. We've got kind of a a little potluck, smorgasbord, a hodgepodge of games because we are in the calm before the Spider-Man 2 storm, which is happening (laughs) next week. Y'all may have seen on social media, the embargo is on Monday. So obviously we can't talk about the game yet. Next week we'll be talking about Spider-Man. So... Now we're going to talk about some fun other games. Rihanna is going to kick things off with a little game called Cocoon. Cocoon. Yeah. So Cocoon is a a delightful little puzzle game. It comes from, who is this? Geometric Interactive. It's published by Annapurna. And as you all know, I love my, it it looks very (laughs) vag-like. Or it's a seed, you know? Yeah. (laughs) This is the opening scene of the trailer on YouTube, if you're listening. Um, But yeah, uh, it came out on September 29th. And it's on everything. Nintendo, PlayStation, Xbox. Is it on Steam? I don't think it's on Steam. Everything but Steam. (laughs) But you can play it on Windows. (laughs) And... It's it's in the vein of a limbo or a uh, an inside, for instance, and there's no dialogue. The audio is very moody and, and cool. There is just one character that you're controlling, and you have very limited inputs, so you can run around and you can click things. That's all mm. you can do. But even with just those two inputs, the mechanics are so intricate because it's a puzzle game, as I said. So what you're doing is you're a little bug beetle some sort of you know flight related insect that walks around this very mysterious world some of it feels very organic and fleshy some of it feels very industrial and lifeless but all of it has these paths that you can run down and you're collecting orbs and the orbs allow you to activate different modules or you can carry them on your back to these pools where you can dive into the world within the orb so if you remember in Men in Black, Orion's Belt, the cat yes. that had the little jewel on its necklace or its collar, and how there was an entire galaxy inside the collar. Think of that. Ooh. 
right? You're diving into another world by going into the orb and you can do things in there. There's puzzles inside of it. And then you dive back or jump back out and then you can pick up the orb and pull it along with you to the next adventure. So the whole thing is very simple, but it's so complicated when you come to come to try to figure out what you're supposed to do. So as I said, there's no dialogue. There are symbols that you have to use to match in certain challenge areas, but it evokes such a sense of wonder and world bending in lore that it really just keeps you going even when the puzzles are hard. The puzzles do get really, really hard, especially mm -hmm. around the midpoint of the game. So I'm at about eight hours and I think I'm halfway oh, wow. compared to what I've seen with other people. And there is a secret ending included in there as well. And without giving stuff away, because it's, it's weird it's weird to spoil things, but I don't want to give too much about the puzzle types because discovering what they are is part of the, the magic. But there are so many different interactions with the world that you're doing that start to build on themselves and build on each other. And before you know it, you're like a savant in how to, how to, okay, I move this orb here and then I take this orb on my back and dive into the other orb and save it inside this orb. Then I can bring them both with me. And, and you're doing things oh. like that throughout the game that again, just start to build on themselves in complexity. And you feel like a mastermind by the time you get to at least where I am at the midpoint of the game. Does it ever get frustrating? Like frustrating, or does it does does it, does it let you know if you're stuck here? Here's a hint. Here's where you can go. It doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. So there, if you do get stuck, there's no way to backtrack very far. So if you're stuck, it's very obvious what you're supposed mm, to be doing, but okay. you just don't know how. And that's kind of the best way for me to no, describe it. Like you can maybe move like a few frames left or right, but you're clearly like, I'm clearly supposed to use this button somehow. I just need to figure out how to walk around and get to there. So okay. it telegraphs where you're supposed to go very, very clearly. I was never lost. It's impossible to go the wrong way, if that makes it, it clear. Does. Yeah. Yeah. And like the environmental storytelling feels again very vague, like a Talos principle or like a cube two. There's a lot of cube two in this game. So if you like any of the name drops that I've just given for the puzzle world, you'll absolutely love this. It's very, very beautiful, very vibey. My parents were here over the weekend and they were watching me play and we all were working together to solve some of the puzzles. Aww. So it's very fun and, and I can't recommend it enough. It's probably one of my favorite games that I've played so far this year. I love that. How is the soundtrack? I heard some really good things about it. Oh, it's super vibey. So it's definitely good work background music if you want to just kind of like zone out. Or even like playing another game <laughs> and put the soundtrack on. It, it's very, very easy to listen to for like hours on end. Sweet. I forgot about this game, but I'm excited about it. Loved Inside, loved Limbo. So think that this is going to be a fun play. Eight um, hours though sounds like a long time. Well, it's because I got stuck a couple of times and I was like, hmm, uh, I need help. And then my mom was like, what if you try this? And we would do that for like an hour on one little section. And then as soon as I get it, I'm like, oh, duh. <sighs> And then the next time I see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know what to do here. I so love it's, that. So it's got that magic of, you Just know, building on itself. I remember even when I was so little playing video games with my parents getting stuck in Super Mario World and figure out the hidden <laughs> exits and shit. Like, man, I love that. Yeah. Oh. Do you think your mom's going to play it by herself? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> too much. No, too much. I could maybe convince her to play other puzzle games first, but this one, I think it's too much. There's some time-based puzzles, and she gets frustrated with timing stuff. Fair. Well, it's good that she knows what she likes. That's important. Yeah. Well, I guess I can talk about how I'm back on my bullshit. <laughs> Here we go again. Here <laughs> Take a shot, go. everybody. We're talking about Disney Dreamlight Valley, and my husband, John Drake, works for Disney. So this is a game that I've put 
multiple hundreds of hours into, right? So I took a little break because I was like, you know, I was getting a little frustrated with the way some of the drops were going and not being able to get access to some of the furnitures and don't get me started on the fucking pathway crafting. But turns out in the time I took a break, they fixed some stuff, which is exciting. And they have a new update that just came out in September, a couple of weeks back. I'm going to roll the little trailer here. So for people who haven't played or heard of it, Disney's Dreamlight Valley is made by a company called Game Lofts, and it is a cozy life sim game in the vein of Story of Seasons and Animal Crossing. And basically, you get to create your own valley with all of these fun Disney characters and decorate with Disney-themed items and go on lots of fun quests. It's kind of a really nice mashup, I think, of like a walking sim RPG with a simulation game with a cozy kind of decor elements and it's spooky season. So that means mm-hmm. lots of nightmare before Christmas stuff, lots of Halloween pumpkins from last year's update. And then the enchanted adventure brings bell and the beast to the Valley. Plus there's this extra quest that you can buy where Ursula becomes her land form of Vanessa, where she kind of oh. transforms into that dark, Princess, if you guys watched The Little Mermaid, it's at the end of the movie. It was funny because I was talking to John about this and he was like, Who's Vanessa? And I was like, Did you even watch The Little Mermaid? Like, how dare you? And he was like, It was so sh- such a short part of the runtime, though, I guess. It was. And maybe I just know a lot about it because it's obviously one of my favorite Disney movies. <laughs> I bound as Ariel at every chance possible. <laughs> um, so that. Free update launched in September, but of course the Ursula update is a is a paid DLC quest add-on. So I keep coming back to one of my things that I love about the game, which is that I think Gameloft has done a fantastic job of balancing the desire to like do quests and have meaningful quests with characters that you know and love. And also decorating with these fun Disney-themed items. And, like, the seasonal stuff for Halloween is super fun. And there's all of this Cinderella stuff now with the fairy godmother and her pumpkin. And so I've got pumpkin stuff everywhere. And then they added the Hollywood Tower of Terror. So I have that in my plaza. In one of the updates, they allow you to put multiple instances of your house. So in the game, you can buy these premium skins for your house. So you can kind of change the outside look of it. And then people rightly were like, hey, I'm paying a lot of money for these. I'm not going to buy more than one because my house is just in one place. And they said, what if we let you put a version of your house in each biome and then you can just walk in and access your inventory? Oh, Ooh. there you go. And I was like, ah, that's a way to sell some premium skins right smart. there. And I, really I definitely bought it. It was funny because y'all know, and my husband knows most of all, when I love something, I always find something to bitch about the thing I love. I think we all kind we of all fall into that, that trap yeah, sometimes, yeah, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. So here I am playing this game because this is also one of the few games that I feel comfortable playing in front of my daughter who is two and a half because it's literally just me running around and her seeing all of her favorite Disney characters. Mm-hmm. Does she always want me to just hang out inside Mickey's house? Yes. <laughs> Does she always want me to just talk to Minnie? Yes. I can only hang out with Minnie for so long. But... Um, <laughs> So I'm playing this game, but then I go to check the store and I just like get upset that the stuff in the premium shop of the store still feels really expensive. So all signs are pointing that that this game is probably never going to go free to play. So it was originally launched as a free to play game in early access. It's still technically in early access. And a lot of the pricing 
the community is justifying with air quotes and be like, oh, it's this price as much because it's supposed to go free to play. But the people who are playing have bought founders packs who have spent lots of money, probably on Moonstones, buying premium stuff. And it just feels like some of the prices are a little egregiously high. And I hope that if Gameloft does decide to keep this game premium, which they can, look how well Animal Crossing did, that they bring those prices down. But they got to make up the freaking mind. They can't just keep sitting on this early access pot forever. I mean, mean, you don't want another star citizen on your hands. At least I don't, because I don't have money to pay the way the star citizen stands do. That's a story for another time. You sick John on them, Andrea, and tell John to tell them that they don't get their shit together. Oh, girl. Oh, I have. That's it. I have. I've told him, and he's like, you know, I don't actually like develop that game, right? And I was like, (laughs) I don't care. You know somebody that does, right? Yeah, absolutely. Pass the message along. I don't want to hear. That's a cop-out answer, John Drake. I don't want to hear it. Your wife wants something. Be a good partner and make it happen for her. How much do you love her really, John, if you can't even do something simple like run a game dev studio? You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) After we just said how hard it is. (laughs) It's funny because he convinced me to buy the big Moonstone pack because I was sitting at the Moonstone page, the one that's $44.99. Yes, did I just spend $45? Because he was like, two things. One, you play this game a lot. Just buy the thing. It's like buying DLC. Why are you hesitating? You buy DLC in all of your other games and you don't say shit about it. And I was like, fair. And he's like, do I need to remind you how much money you've spent on Silver and Destiny? And I was like, we're not talking about that. I'll just buy this Moonstone pack and then we will put that conversation to bed. But I've certainly spent probably quadruple that, if not more, on silver over the years in Destiny. Um, so that said, I bought a bunch of the cool, fun cosmetics and stuff that I like. And I'm getting back into it and really appreciating some of the fixes that they've made. Um, I do think that they still have you know, some work to do, of course. But I think the thing I would really like them to make a decision on is, is this game going to stay free to play or not? And then adjust the shop prices accordingly. Yeah. And then what the heck is happening with multiplayer? Game Loft, it was supposed to be coming summer 2023. Turns out summer's over. I need to go to my friend's valleys and swap swap goods with them. <laughs> I'm missing <laughs> things that I need. Scrooge is, Scrooge is being stingy. Why does every game anyway. have a Tom Nook and a Scrooge? You know Why? But at least with, this is the thing I said before, at least with Animal Crossing, like there were third party, like Nookazon was a thing. You could go to the Animal Crossing Discord. You could swap items the with way people. she said that with a straight face. <laughs> Nookazon. Listen, Nookazon is the hotness. I mean, it was the hotness. I haven't been on Nookazon in a couple of years. <laughs> but I was on it all the time. Like it was, I got all, I got a lot of the things that I really wanted that I couldn't get on my own island. And there's just no way to do that in Dreamlight Valley right now. And so that's why I kind of took a pause because I kept, do I have a Pinterest board for Dreamlight Valley inspiration for (laughs) things? Of course I do. Of course you do. Yeah. Of course I do. (laughs) Do I go on the Dreamlight Valley Reddit? Yes. Avi. Well, your valley is absolutely beautiful. Like, like it's, it's worth it. Yes. And some, some of the things that people create are so inspiring. It really makes me love the sim category of games and how devoted some of these decorators are. And they have whole YouTube channels doing tutorials on how to design clothing or to lay out pathways and do all these things. And I love watching that content. I think in like some alternate dimension, I would be like a, a sim lifestyle game streamer. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't start now cause I just, I don't have the time to commit uh, right now, but I love like dabbling in other people's content and watching that. And I think it's 
so cool what people think up and dream up. And I love taking what they've created and using it as inspiration to do stuff on my own valley. And I just get frustrated that there are so many cool items that I am never going to get because so many of them are tied to RNG drops that you do just by like shoveling. You have to dig so many times and then these random drops will happen. So it's not even like stuff that you can plan or grind towards. It's literally like you could do this for infinity and never get the drop. And that to me is like maddening. Have you it's done maddening. enough new stuff to your island? Because I was thinking if we have time, it'd be really fun to do a little walkthrough during our live stream. I think it would be a great time for me to focus on some of the revamping I've been doing. I think so. Oh no, I have to prioritize my renovations on my valley. I think you should. Oh, spooky season. Sad. It'll be right around, you'll be five days away from Halloween. It would be nice and spooky. I think it'd be great. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yay. Twist my arm. Okay. okay. <laughs> anyway, I've been playing Dreamlight Valley. And so if you've taken a break like I took a break, they've added a bunch of fun stuff and definitely worth going back and checking it out. Nice. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention, because I know we're getting towards the end of the year, we're going to have to start thinking about, you know, goaties and, oh God. and the like. I had to play, you know, the big RPG of the year. BG3. Ah, so ooh. I've had it installed on my Steam Deck for a month, over a month now. And I've just been putting off my character creator. But I, I took advantage of one of my flights that I went home recently to celebrate my grandfather's 90th birthday, which was really exciting, to finally create my Baldur's Gate character <laughs> <laughs> and get started. And yeah, you can spend a couple hours just doing that. Yeah. I spent probably 45 minutes and I still don't think I picked like all of the right stats, but I'm like, whatever. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna roll with this. I had to resist every urge possible to not just recreate my D and D character from our mm. What's Good campaign. You should have, girl. No, because like as much as I love Alora, my evocation wizard rock gnome, I didn't want to play a rock gnome okay. in Baldur's Gate. That's fair. So I went with a high elf instead. Ooh, they pretty. <laughs> and she's got like the like the buns with the long braids. Yeah. Ooh. Ugh. And I went with the draconian thing, so I've got the scales on my face. Wow, you did. That's awesome. Ah, that's really cool. I, I want to see. Yeah, I want to see too. Yeah, what's great about that too is they just recently released the magic mirror patch. So at your camp, you can go and change your appearance if you need to tweak some things. Because I have my warrior, but her face looks kind of funky. And I've been stuck with it for 110 hours. But now I can fix it. <laughs> nice. I don't know what happened. It looks like she just got smacked in the head with a basketball because her nose is just like really weird looking. I'm not sure. It's fine. She, she got she got dick already, so she's good. I'm not worried about it. I am concerned and would like some reassurance from you, Brittany. And maybe this is you're maybe the wrong person to ask. That at the beginning of the game, they had kind of like had this text on screen that like, this game is better when you're with friends. Like it was like, it's better to play in a party. And I was just like, mm, so if I always play Baldur's Gate solo, am I going to... No. Is it going to be bad? No, no, no. Here's what I'll say. You know, whenever I've talked about Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2, it's always been co-op. It's been some of the best experiences I've had in all of my gaming life. I have been playing Baldur's Gate 3 solo, and it has been the best thing I've ever done. And I say that because I'm able to think about my decisions, make my decisions the way I want to, save scum when I want to, because when I play with Jason, he's chaotic. He just wants to kill everything and destroy all the villages and whatnot. So... What I would say for you is play it yourself, play it the way you want, and then if you're ever feeling froggy, and I say this, let's say this like this ever going to happen, it would be really fun to have a campaign 
where you and I can play. And we obviously, like, if you're into this, like, you need to get in there. And I just caught up with one Christine Steimer, and she and I talked about Baldur's Gate. That was the first thing we talked about for about 30 minutes. So she's balls deep into it. So I'm just saying there's our party of four right there. I'm so in. Yeah. I'm in. It'd be great. No, no, it's a great game to play by yourself. I mean, playing with someone else adds another complexity to it, and it works and it runs fantastic. But I personally, for my first playthrough, am preferring the solo because there's just so much there. Okay, good. Because I definitely want to take my time because playing in a party can sometimes be good and sometimes be frustrating for your party members for reasons you just described. But also, like, the D&D mechanics are something that I'm familiar with, but I'm not an expert at. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to just, like hurriedly go through everything yeah and i know that some people are like let's move faster let's do whatever and i'm just like let's not youtube.com slash what's good game sorry andrea Ree's camera has been freezing this whole time and like nine out of ten times they're the most flattering freeze frames you would ever find i restarted that i I was trying to get my camera out to take a picture of it but i missed it (laughs) You'll have to rewind, friends. It was good. <laughs> I feel like we can find a screenshot oh, yeah. somewhere. God. But yeah, so I, I started playing that, and then I finished Wheel of Time Season 2, Ooh. the TV show. And oh my God, it got so good. <laughs> so if you weren't happy with Season 1 and you're into Wheel of Time like I am, I highly, highly, highly encourage you to give Season 2 a try because it is infinitely better. And now I'm like champing at the bit for Season 3. I have no idea when it's coming, but apparently they got all of their shooting done before the strike happened. So hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, that won't (laughs) delay production at all because obviously WGA and SAG are still on strike. So a lot of stuff is not going anywhere, not moving. Speaking of TV, shout out to One Piece on Netflix. I enjoyed it a lot. Oh, is it good? Yeah. Okay. It was fun. Cool. I need to see it. If you have beef with it, I'm sorry, but I enjoyed no, I, it. <laughs> I honestly have heard nothing but positive mm-hmm. things yeah. from from One Piece fans. Obviously, I'm not a big manga person, but yeah, I've never read it, never watched it. This is my first time One Piece in it, and I <laughs> One Piece in it. Well, I feel like I gotta, I feel like I gotta watch it then because yeah. it's like in the in the nerdscape. Yeah, and I think it would be okay if if Charlie's not afraid of like light monster makeup. So I think she'd be okay to watch it. Okay. Well, I probably would not want to watch it when she's around because fair. <laughs> Trying to watch. It. You don't get to really focus on what's happening. <laughs> yeah, but it's not bloody or gory or anything like that. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So much stuff to consume. Help. 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 Yes. Exactly. That's the word. Help. <laughs> Help. <laughs> and more to come. It's not done. Twenty twenty three just keeps on rolling. Yeah. And the first part of twenty twenty four is going to be beefy too, in a good way. Nice and beefy. Oh yeah. Mm. Bring on the beef. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for our episode for this week. As we already mentioned, next week we are going to be talking Spider Man two, and hopefully some other fun stuff as well. And uh, thanks for hanging out with us at the end of the episode. We'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Goodbye. Bye.